You're listening to Uncommon Thinking, a podcast from Advertising Week. In this episode from Advertising Week New York, digital prophet David Shing talks about how the fragility of connection was proven over the course of the past two years. People have an opportunity to live differently, work differently, love differently, and many are taking it. However, brands are confused. It feels like a lot has changed and nothing has changed as people move to embrace a more humanized experience where attention is the new currency measured by time and engagement, particularly now in a world where over 3 billion smartphones occupy our visual attention. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys. Uh, Hi. Thank you so much for trusting us to come back in person. It's been pretty amazing. Those who went to Anderson last night understand what it's like. Uh, Matt went there last night. I was following his photographs. It was incredible just to see how many people couldn't give a shit about a pandemic. Love advertising industry. God bless us. We have 25 minutes to talk about a bunch of things. And those who are online, thanks for joining us as well. There's a bunch of ideas in this particular track for D2C that I think are really pertinent today. Why? because it's really something that's a space of change. And we all know that because it's all, particularly in the last 24 months, it's been radical. So let's get on with some of those topics. But this is always my favorite quote to start with. It's by Marshall McLuhan, where no longer just passengers on spaceship Earth, brothers and sisters, we are crew. Why? Because of change. So it's not direct to consumer, that's a bullshit term. It's really about design to connect. And if there's one thing I want you to walk away with today, and I'm going to give you a couple of things to walk away with, there's one thing, design matters today more than ever before, period, full stop. And if you want to arm wrestle about that or debate that later, I'm here for you. But here's where I think it matters. This is the world we're walking into, by the way. There's a two-year wait list for this thing. This is for real. Uh, You've also got this thing if you want to look like a cyborg. Um, I've got a couple of these cyborg products. It's just people look a bit weird at me when I wear these. There's also an 18-month wait for this particular product. The challenge is this. There's not going to be less of this. There's going to be more of it. Now, being a Chinaman, I've been wearing a mask for 10 years on airplanes so I don't look weird. Seeing white people with masks, that freaks me out. That's for real. So I have had to normalize that in the last 18 months or so. So there's that. Less noise has done what to this world? It has created an 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 environment where if we don't move and we quieten shit down, guess what happens? Things become more beautiful. This is Mumbai. If you look on the left, that's March. If you look on the right, that's May. It is incredible what happens when we allow nature to do what nature should do. And we are just one of those components in this wonderful freight trailing, barreling down the map. So what happens? We all take a pause, and then we start to care, more so than ever before. People give a shit. They want you to be kind. They want brands to be kind. We want people to support social issues. We also want brands to support social issues. We want people to understand that we need to give back to local. We want brands to give back to local. If you've ever heard me speak, I talk about brands being normalized and feel like humans. Wow, has that happened. For the last 24 months or so, that has been realized in ways I've never seen before. If you look in the path of 2020 as a quick reflection, we love emojis. Everybody seems to want to throw down on those. Awesome. A lot of lovely emojis until, boom, 2020 happened. And then the most used emoji of last year was that sad piece of thing. Boo-hoo. So it's changing. And why is it changing? Because we know that at a time when things are paused, the first thing we wanted to do was what? We wanted to be comforted. 
and we want it to be cradled, and we want to make sure that things are going to be okay. So there's this overwhelming support for things that felt like they needed to be done. If I spoke to Unilever, like at Rob Master, they had explosive growth during the summer because they couldn't get more ice creams out to more people, so they had a drone delivery service. Hagen Dahl's reflection to that was, well, let's put it in a canister that won't allow the ice cream to melt, so you don't have to rush to get it to people. Awesome. So we talk about slow journalism. We're also talking about getting things to people slowly and getting things to people more consciously. And although Amazon's taught us that everything should be delivered in two days, there are other ways to think about that consideration. But we do want things to be convenient, don't we? Now, convenience is amazing, because if you look at something like Louis Vuitton, when their stores closed down, they didn't close down completely. They allowed it to be an ultra VIP experience for those ultra rich who could go into a store and have a one-to-one -one consultancy in a very safe environment for people like this young lady. Awesome. But they didn't stop there. They also came out and said, hey, rich folk also want to be able to shop, so why not bring the shop to them? This is an example of a, we'd call it a caravan in Australia. I don't know what you guys call this thing, a pop-up shop, I guess. And it rolled up into the houses in the Hamptons, and people bought hundreds of thousands of dollars. True story. I can't give you the real numbers from their houses. Amazing. This is not going away. We can't stuff it back in the box. We're standing in the old space of Neiman Marcus this week. But you know, next week, this thing's going to be an office space or something. Things are changing so rapidly. But one thing that isn't changing is nostalgia. There's a harking back to something that makes us not just feel comfortable, not just feel convenient, but nostalgia. These three trends, by the way, you have a window of about three years to adopt them and get, get it sorted, because reading has gone up. Baking has gone up. I don't know if you guys are part of sourdough clubs, but my starter is like 200 years old. That's gross to think that you can get yeast out of the air and make bread. Humans were domesticated because we waited for wheat to grow and we wanted to mill it to make bread. It's nuts, man. It's a disgusting concept. And as a classically trained chef, it blows my mind. I don't bake, I toss a wok. But baking has gone up. It's amazing. And bedtime reading. Physical books have gone up. So the whole time that Amazon was telling everybody we're going to do drone delivery, that was bullshit. They were making local grocery stores and bookshops again. And they're printing on demand. So they're not storing a bunch of books. They're being done on demand, which I think is an incredible concept. Nostalgia bled into our fashion. Levi's and Lego got together and did a collaboration in the middle of COVID and said, here are things that you can do. You can make beautiful little bricky things on your 1985 stonewash jacket design. Kind of vibey. They didn't stop there because people like Twirl listened. In that slow time, people listened and listened and said, what are people really talking about our brand? Instead of it just vomiting on brands as we do in a frequency that nobody can sustain, what are they actually listening and what are they actually saying about us? People were talking about a product that's no longer available. Twirl, the orange Twirl out of the UK. They actually ended up pre-selling it. And so it's pretty amazing to think about it. We're doing all of this slow slowness in a space of constant state of fuzziness. I go up to say hello to somebody, I don't know whether I'm fist bumping or elbowing or hugging or mask on or mask off. I went to see a friend, I took my mask off. I'm like, what am I, an idiot? I just don't know what to do anymore in this constant state of fuzzy. That's a data point of one. I don't know how to get out of it. It's not just me. People are more comfortable to talk about mental health issues in a space where we're not always physical, which kind of gives me hope about understanding that there is this, this new world that we're thinking about. People care today, and we've seen that more so than ever before. Brands have to get organized to understand that there's a care curve. You have to decide whether you're black or white, left or right, up or down, red or, white, red or blue. Make a decision. If you stick in the middle, you will be forgotten about 100%.
And when it comes to work, if you manage people today, you also have a job to figure out whether you want to push somebody towards the positive or the negative of the industry and the business you're part of. As a manager, that is period, full stop, your job. And so, designer log. I said design is more important than ever before. And if you sit around and consciously check that out, you'll end up with things like this. I loved this. In the middle of the pandemic, BMW Motorrad just popped this out and just said, hey man, one of the few things you can do solo is ride a bike, so go and enjoy that. The road is calling. Stunning. Guinness did this. The head of the beer is a sofa. How fabulous is that when you understand the power of your iconography? And they also did this. They came out and said, we signed a 9,000 year lease, so we're going to be back in business at some point in time. Enjoy it. And I thought this was incredible by KitKat. Fabulous, right? And then this, Nivea. Just the power of thinking through your product when you have nothing else around you. You can't book production. You've got your product. What else can you do with it? I'm stunned by the beauty of design. You know, McDonald's did this recently. I just thought that was totally quirky and cool too. Beautiful design matters. I thought McDonald's, you know, Burger King was great when they came out with this ad in the middle of it all and just said, look, you can shop at our restaurants when we open again, but please shop at our competitors too. Why? Because people need to work, except for in the US, apparently. <laughs> So this tsunami of tidal wave of change, is it good for us? Hell yeah, it is. Why? Because we're at the cusp of this change. I grew up in the world of the internet. You know, I worked for AOL for 12 years, which is bizarre because we didn't have AOL in Australia. And if you think about it, the internet quickly became social, of which we're still part of. For those of you who went to TikTok's breakfast, you know it is heating up again. And if you flip that back into where we are, Collaboration has been here, the Airbnbs, the lifts of this world. But we've also understood that autonomy is really where we want to be. We want to make sure that we have these faceless cars that we can drive and not have to waste our time on making sure we don't have some idiot running into us because they're texting all the time. And then we also need to think about wellness. Well, wellness got fast forward way sooner than I thought it would, and it's not going to go back. But then we think about space, and these are all the quandaries of where we are in this digital economy. And today, it still feels like we're about three or four backwards. But the cusp of the fourth industrial revolution will be powered by something very simple and invisible. Now, previously, we had steam. And then, of course, we had electricity and computing. But intelligence is what it's all about. Now, working for Verizon for a minute, you know, they were talking about 5G. 5G will allow you to have very few latency, unless you're in this building. <laughs> Good luck getting any frequency. But what's amazing about that is intelligence is these tiny pockets of information being thrown at us, which is data being collected on you. Why? Because the industry's been disrupted. And by the way, if you, this is a buzzword I used a few years ago. I love the word disruption. But if you're not disrupting yourself, you are being disrupted. Because the truth is, everybody runs to brand experience. That's not good enough. You have to transform your business and transform your brand at the same time. But what's the new new? Oh, the delicious metaverse, immersiveness or as the kids call them, filters. <laughs> but we like metaverse, God bless. So if we push forward, the reality is this, brothers and sisters, it's still confusing. Why? People love this shit. AR, VR, MR, schemas, UI, UX, all of this stuff on this slide is what people like to harass me about late night, and I'll be at drinks tonight if you want to do that too. But this is what everyone else is talking about, is all of that shit. And the only thing I give a rat's about is fun, and that's why people jam to TikTok's breakfast. And here's why that's interesting for us as humans. Trust. If we can trust the platform which you're on, of which you are expressing, we need to rebuild this. And by the way, the industry needs a kick in the ass to be rebuilt. Brands need to trust their agencies. Agencies to trust their clients again. 
It is not a love-hate relationship. It should be all love, in my opinion. And there should be more Pomeranian trust falls as well, clearly. But the gig was easy. Get people to brands and brands to people. But it's not that easy, because here's the new new. You need to understand the ecosystem. It's 360-degree radius. Your job is not to stick in your lane. It is to have multiples. And this word is not true. It is not omni-channel. It's a goddamn ecosystem. Because you have to have a beautiful view of the day in the life of humans, of which, if you think about it, there's almost 8 billion people on planet Earth, and 50% of those have never known life without the internet. And we want the experience not to, to be personalized, but we want it to be customized. So you can give me something that feels like it says, hey, Shingy, but I want it to say, hey, Shingy, it's cold. You seem to love jazz. Maybe you should go to this club that's going to keep you warm. But that's not what that does. It humanizes it. You have the ability with all the intelligence and all the data that we're collecting to have a humanized experience for people. But where does it lead you? These are people, by the way. We're all categorized, according to Harvard, into one of these little pieces of quadrant. OK, I don't necessarily believe that's true anymore, but that seems to be where we are, as our psychographics tell us. But the truth is, the connected human is no longer this guy. This feels a bit 2014-ish for me. I wanted to be this character. Thank Christ I'm not anymore. I'd prefer to have no tech than this tech. And so when I think about it, the world of IoT, though, is absolutely massive, or as I call it, the internet of everything. There's 127 products launched per second in that category. That means there are millions of devices that are collecting little bits of data for you that is being humanized. This teddy bear is called the Guardian. You can hold this teddy bear if you have a sick child. It'll read its biometric and tell you how sick it is before it goes to hospital. You've got this, which is a toothbrush that'll brush all your teeth all at the same time, because apparently we've been wasting those precious four and a half other minutes of brushing our teeth, apparently. You've also got this. This is connected Tupperware. No shit. I buy bags of spinach to go into my refrigerator and watch that thing die over three days. This thing will ping you the best use-by date for your groceries, which is pretty dope, don't you think? This is building intelligence for my food. Little tiny buttons that are spread throughout your house can now tell you how to do things like turn on playlists and close blinds and all those things you want to do. MIT have been experimenting with uh, RFID chippable tattoos, so you don't need to walk around with screens. You can do it all on your skin for two weeks before it fades off. Or you've got this shit. You know, Bose have these sound bars in, in your glasses for augmented awareness. So as I'm walking down the street, it'll tell me to turn right because that is where the discount that I've always been looking for. Augmented awareness, not just glasses. Sound technology, 2020. This is a $20 billion marketplace. Speakers with the ability to talk back to us, not just screen interfaces. So it is not omni-channel, it's ecosystem. And then wearables. My god, there's less than almost 600 of them. Number one category is fitness. And look at them. They look like old school, beautiful devices. And some of them are useful. Like this is the Braille watch. This will help people navigate who are sight impaired. You've got this thing, which is Pavlov. This is a shockable wearable that'll shock you if you do something you said you're not going to do, like have three beers when you said you want to have two and all that shit. Awesome. And then you've got this, the creepiest thing I've ever seen. This is the gaze. This is a 3D dress that will morph and change based on your biometric. So if you want to attract somebody, the dress will grow. If you want to distract them, it'll do whatever it needs to do. I could use that shit on the subway <laughs> when I use the subway again in 2028. Awesome. So. A big reason why people do not use wearables is what? Vanity. So you've got wearables now that conform to colors and shapes based on your identity. This is a ring that'll change color based on a color you match it to. 
Here's an example of it happening here. So I said immersive. What is that really? It's not this character as much as Oculus tries to. I think, and I do prefer to watch people with, <laughs> with VR goggles on in the content, typically, because I'm not a gamer. But where I do find it to be fascinating is the ability to have lateral ideas immersively experienced to people. And we can do that with augmented. It doesn't have to be all isolated to VR, but allow you to be able to pivot your content based on people's emotions. Awesome. If you do want to know where VR went, it went to Japan, and it went to these little experiential cafes. realize, I guess. That's the G-rated version, you scumbags. But here's what's amazing. If you don't think that AR is a thing, you're going to, go to have to go to places like China. Here's an example of a mirror that allows you to bring a physical and a digital object together in close proximity. This is like $30. It's designed for kids. It's not a $700 smartphone that you freak out when your kid drops it. These are the types of technologies that we're bringing this immersive environment or this metaverse together. Everything is kind of this assisted reality. Bring me along as I need it and tell me the information I need when I need it. Pretty simple, incredibly hard to do. But one thing I will tell you, as you go into your living rooms, technology is going to go down. As we go to more autonomy in cars, our screens are going to be bigger. Why? Because your screen will be a service. You're going to rent a whole bunch of services in your car, just like you do in your living room. And you're going to be spending all your time on screens in the car, not on your little cell phone doing this sort of thing. And where that goes, really, is back to the living room, is that all your technology is going to fall back, not fall forward. So here's an example. Televisions look like pictures. That's by Samsung. It's the frame. It's gorgeous. And you've got these things. This is the Rollable by LG. No joke, this thing rolls out of a console. It only was launched two years ago. It's not in market, so it's pre-release. But when I went to the launch of this, they said, hey, any questions? I said, yeah, how many times can you open and close it before the screen breaks? They said 55,000 times, they estimate. It's like 20 years of watching television on that thing. But the idea is it turns up when you want technology, and it goes away when you don't. Isn't that stunning? Amazing. Why? Because apparently we all have these sort of views. Yeah, fuck you, LG. So anyhow, the best piece of technology I've seen in a long time is this. It's a plank of wood. It turns up with a graphical user interface. It's completely useful for me, and it goes away and acts like a plank of wood when it doesn't. Why? Because it's a plank of wood. Gorgeous. Technology that turns up when we need it and goes away when it wants. And all of it has built-in intelligence. So what has this got to do with us, those of us who are trying to get people to brands? Stop thinking like this, and sure as shit, stop your client thinking like this. Why? Because we're in a different type of 4Ps. We're in platforms and partnerships and pedigrees and you know, these ideas that are just very different. Platform performance, pedigrees, and partnerships. It speaks more like B2B than B2C, because that's true. That's the way we work. Why? Because CMOs have to worry about this at night. So give them a break. That's why the average CMO's in the gig 18 months. Shit's hard, man. It's stressful. Because this is now the new world. That's why it's stressful. The old world was those seven places. So where do we go? Well, if the robots are here to take your job, what's going to happen? Well, they're not necessarily here to take our job. Why? Because I'm a massive fan of people over programmatic. Love programmatic at the right time, right place. Absolutely. But I also love people-to-people -people communication. That's what our industry and what we're founded upon. And there's only really three things that do that, aren't there? It's sight, it's sound, which is more important than ever before, 
and then there's motion. And all of that is gobbled up in a tiny little device that we can express our entire universe through. Isn't that amazing? And all we're trying to do is drive emotion. Why? 75% of purchase decisions are made emotionally. We sell to the heart, we justify to the head. Cool. But those little bastards that we're trying to get in front of is this slash generation. They do all of this way better than any of us. And they do it all on this and not big consoles. It's pretty amazing when you think about the slash gen. And what's amazing to me is it's the creator, the critic, and the curator of experiences. No longer is it consumers consuming content. That's old school. So we need to move into this new dimension. The average user opens or closes, flips around with their phones, fiddles with their phone. How many times? About 1,500 times per day. I suffer from the false vibration syndrome from cell phone, where my, my leg just, I'm like, what the hell? What is my, and, and my phone's here. It happens about a dozen times a day. I'm jittery. So it's weird. Constant state of fuzzy. I'm overwhelmed. And then I'm underwhelmed, because I can't find what I'm looking for. I can't discover stuff anymore. It's not that interesting. Because one of the largest contributors to stress today is what? Media overload. So the shit you're producing on behalf of the brands you're working for, you're working for, are stressing people out and killing them. Just kidding. So let's talk about those kids. Be careful. In America, kids before they're 11 witnessed 1,600 acts of violence outside of games. Whoa, that's a responsibility on you. And so let's think about what else is happening with kids. They're spending on average 30 hours a week on screen time pre-COVID. That thing's got to be double, I imagine. Homework? <laughs> Less than three hours. So we have an issue. First things first, we want to build resilience for these little bastards, by the way. We're building soft, blobby kids. So they need to be stronger, better, faster, dirtier than ever. Great gift. But here's what's also amazing. The number one thing that makes kids exhausted today when they're pre-teening is pre-trending, not sports. So being ahead of the curve and being a friend of influence to their kids is very important to them. So the number one thing that makes young parents guilty today is too much screen time. The second thing, not enough time with my kids. My parents, real simple, can I make enough money to put this kid through school? Those days are well over, aren't they? So the average user, us, are spending at least 11 hours in front of screens, but I think post-COVID it's probably more like about 19. So here's where I think it all goes. This is the screen time. Anybody check screen time still? Does it stress you out? I give a massive anxiety attack when I look at this thing, because that's not real, by the way. I'm bullshitting you on my screen time. What we're all doing is fubbing. It only takes two people to, to participate in the piss-off world. And we need to reverse that. Why? Because brands are suffering from fatigue. So I grew up in a world where it was big ads, little content. Remember those days? Now it's just all content, little ads. Remember that world? That's a $280 billion marketplace, by the way. It's absolutely ginormous. And here's the thing people don't talk about enough. Ad blocking. Who has an ad in the industry? What are you doing at Advertising Week? You have a goddamn ad blocker. This shit pays our rent, but we screwed it up. So we have to engineer the psychology. Instead of making people want stuff, which is the business I grew up in, we need to make stuff people want. It's a different desire curve. And so given that, you have to care. And what does that mean? We're no longer in the attention economy. Forget that. I said that five years ago. But, 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 but gone. It's now the intention economy. You have to willingly want people to push it. There's a sentient to that. There's a real nature to it. Okay. So some lessons learned for me, guys. Simply, simply, simply is this. Get your brand story sorted. Most people do not get this right because it's hard. They jump to performance first. Add still today performance. This thing will do that. Awesome. Terrible. The hardest thing on planet Earth to get a brand to figure out is feel. 
Feel, 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 feel. It's the number one thing you need to focus on. Story second, performance third, in my opinion. Reverse it. Be ambitious in your brand. We know brands that do, and we need to be memorable and differentiated. Here are some taglines we know. You know that tagline by these guys. Awesome. Um, whose tagline is this? Shave time, shave money. Dollar Shave Club. Hmm. How about these guys? I think that's one of the best taglines I've ever seen. Energy gives wings. Anybody know why there's three eyes in the word wings? Because they got sued for $127 million because Energy Bull did, actually didn't give shit wings. So they had to come up with a whole new word that had three eyes in it. So that is not an English word anymore, apparently. Time has to be better organized. Here's a little quadrant. Just ping me when we're done, and I'll send it to you. But when you're organizing ideas, just say, does it have high impact, and will it cost less? If it does, do it. If it doesn't, kill it. But brand quadrants need to be worked more so in creatives, particularly if we sit behind Zoom. So the heat is this. The context that matters is build good content, put it in smart places. You have to be bold over bland. One ingredient, period, full stop in this entire presentation for you guys as we close that'll make content super contagious is surprise. So build that into every single experience that you do. Surprise, 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 surprise. So in a world that's going to have more trust, in a world that currently feels super anxious, let's switch that over and do something completely different. But thanks very much indeed for your time. God bless. See you guys. Thanks for listening. For more content like this, or to find out more about Advertising Week's world-leading events for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries, visit www.advertisingweek.com or follow us on your social media platform of choice.